On today's show, with Melbourne having claimed their first flag since 1900, expectations for the 1927 season were high. However, you think expectations at Melbourne were high? Collingwood had lost the last two grand finals and fans were busting down the door for a premiership. Their drought now going back to 1919. Richmond were ready to start roaring again and Carlton no longer wanted to sing the blues. North were looking for their first win in well over a year and there was optimism at Fitzroy with some new recruits brought in. We'll talk about all this, plus Kaz is going to add a uh, a new little fun segment to our show. That's all coming up after our song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say Welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast. We are here today to talk about the 1927 season. I am sitting opposite the Kazman. Hello, everyone. Go D's. Wait. Ah, oh, it's over. No, they're still running premiers. In 1927, this stage of 1927, they That's were raining right. premiers. Come on, boys. And over there, Coops. Oh, hello, everyone. How Good to be back. <laughs> um, now we are about to get into the deep, dark uh, machine years. Oh God! Well, they're finally back. <laughs> they're back. Make yeah. it end. Yeah. No, no. Do you know what? I'm I'm all about them at this stage. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I'm curious it's good to, to find see. Out. Yeah, I'm curious to find out a bit more about them. It's good to see just a just a slick machine like this just rolling <laughs> through and crushing teams, even if it happens to be the fuchsias. <laughs> uh, now, a quick shout out to a few listeners. We've noticed we've had a few downloads in uh, Sweden recently. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thank you. Hello to the people in Hong Kong downloading us as well, and uh, someone in wow. Iowa. Wow. Yes, in the, right in the corn belt. Right in the corn belt. <laughs> hello to those in Iowa who have, may have listened to us. Thank you very much. Um, a few orders of business today before we get stuck into the season. Uh, the first one, Kazmam. Uh-huh. We've got an idea for a new, uh, new little segment. Yes. Want to explain a bit? Sure. You me, want me to explain? Oh, I'd like you to, yeah. yeah. Well, we've got a new segment because, unfortunately, uh, we have lost our hero and champion in Ivo Crap, and that, therefore, the death of Crap Watch has <laughs> been upon us. Um, so instead of dragging it out and, and revamping it, <laughs> imagine if we just tried to move it to another umpire. We have come up with a new segment of someone each year, someone in football history with a fantastic nickname or or maybe just given name so the best the best name basically the best named player yeah because we felt like this obviously deserves some well, attention we talk about it every episode anyway we might as well make it formal <laughs> that's right i particularly enjoy it yeah so because um, so each episode we're putting you in charge of choosing the best name for the year <laughs> yes i like it i like it we'll, we'll throw some th- some things at you and uh yep you you just pick up whatever you think is best thank you very much um of all the uh, great jobs that you could have given me i'm really happy that i got this <laughs> oh, one so a little bit of uh Working this out to start with, what are we what are we going to name it? Well, um, we could just name it after one of the greatest nicknames of all time, Basil Onions. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, ba- the Basil Watch. Yeah, no, that doesn't really. Is it going to be a watch or is it going to be basil? like a medal or a trophy or the, go- a plate. the golden the golden onion? The go- <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Oh, the big the big silo. But can we we can't use our own nicknames that we've <laughs> no because <laughs> yeah. we still can't find evidence of that, Coops. <laughs> I I mean, it definitely was a thing. It was definitely a search thing. on I Trove. Just, yeah. I, well, I want to make the big silo part of that segment every week. I think we'll get closer <laughs> and closer to finding out. Now, um, my suggestion was name it after Alex McCracken, the first VFL Prime President. I like Prime it. Also, President? a great name, Commissioner. Yeah, so it could be the McCracken Name Award. Yeah, because he's got a cracking name. It's a cracking yeah, name. It's a cracking name award. I like it. So, who's going to be eligible, Kaz? Is it players only, or do we bring in club coaches and umpires? Um, I think as we look back through the annals of history, <laughs> that we've found that there is plenty of <laughs> nicknames for for seemingly, you know, like not not so conspicuous players. And um, I've noticed even that um, players have got nicknames that have absolutely no relationship to their real name as well like it might be just a bill but his name's ron or something okay. like that and so that's a yes to nicknames well there was some of those in the, um those famous umpires that umpired grand finals uh we've got we've got great coaches with nicknames so yes put them all in okay yeah. awesome they're in okay fantastic can someone win it more than once because they have, have still have the best name but that, and the what year they, after yeah. yeah and they do something um, it doesn't have to do anything they just have to have you know, be part of the season and have a great name. If they yeah. have the best nickname that, that that year, yeah, they can win it consecutively. Okay, so oh. if none of the challenges from the new year have good enough names, <laughs> they just, they it's just it's it's a reigning yeah. So they just hold on to it. It's a rolling. I like that's that. right. Yeah, they hold on to the uh, the title yeah. for a little while. Okay, cool. um, and we did we didn't think about the big ship as well because no, what? so we are we, didn't are have we, that name we're going to retrospectively add, award these as well. <laughs> Absolutely, All right. we'll have to. So we'll have to go ones. back. So that might be something we could launch on our new uh, upcoming website. Absolutely, well, we'll have to have them on there. We'll put the list. listed, yeah. yeah. And so now the crack and metal, yeah, we'll have to have them put the, all the names up of the Coulthard Shield winners yeah, as well. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. All right, for this to really so fly, much information. Though, yeah, that's right. So, 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 how am I going to deal with all this? <laughs> how am I going to cope? Um, uh, that's yes. I was going to say something else. Um, all right, that's exciting. So we'll start that this episode. So Charlie and I will throw some names at you as we go through yep, the season. And then we'll, we'll come back to you at the end and then and, and see how we go. Bring it on. Thanks. It's not about me either. Tweet in if you've got some suggestions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or if, if you Throw feel like uh, maybe Kaz has made a mistake. <laughs> if you think it should have been someone else. If I should have edited it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all Change it up. All right, so 1927. Thanks, 1927. Boys. In we come. Timmy. Yes, Charlie. It's a great year, 1927. Great year. Was it? It was, it was. Kaz, did you hear that? <laughs> it was a great year. Lots of stuff happening in, uh, in 1927. All right, so the, uh, the little ditty I've chosen from this year is one by Hoagie Carmichael with his uh, lovely little song, Stardust. Hoagie Carmichael, if only he played. He might be in the, in the list. <laughs> Good. Yes. Let's have a quick little listen. Sometimes I wonder why I spend the lonely night dreaming of a song. What a lovely little ditty that is. Beautiful, I love it. I love it. Well, let's uh, let's rock straight into some history, shall we? Um, so I'm going to start with some history that happened in Australia and then we'll move to worldwide stuff. So on the 9th of May, Parliament House in Canberra was officially opened by the Duke of York. Officially. Officially. On the 29th of June, Charles Kingford Smith and his co-pilot Charles Ulm completed a round Australia flight in 10 days and five and a half hours. 
On the 27th of October, the gangster Squizzy Taylor was oh. killed in a shootout with Sydney gangsters. Local boy as including well. Including Snowy Cutmore, who also died. It happened in Carlton. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, and Squizzy Taylor was based not far from where we record as well, I believe. Oh. Right. With the uh, tunnels down to the canal, apparently. Yeah. Ah, there we go. Interesting. Very local history. <laughs> and on the 1st of November, Trivalve won the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> so let's move on to our more worldwide stuff. Um, on the 7th of January, the first transatlantic telephone call was made via radio from New York City to London. I wonder what they spoke about. Um, how's the weather? <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, the Harlem Globetrotters also played their first ever road game in Hinkley, Illinois. Oh, as far back as that. I know. That's great. On, which, I mean, I, I assume means they'd actually been playing for longer than that if yeah. it was their first ever road game. Yeah. Um, on the 11th of January, Louis B. Mayer, the head of Metro Goldwyn Mayer MGM, announced the creation of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. The Oscars? The Oscars. At a, at a banquet in LA, and then they actually created the Academy later in the year. Um, on the 1st of April, the Bureau of Prohibition was founded. No! In the Department of the Treasury, yeah. <laughs> it's finally begun. It is beginning. Time for the flappers. Uh, on the 23rd of April, Cardiff City won the FA Cup, beating Arsenal 1-0, which to this day remains the only time a team from outside England has won the FA Cup. Wow. There you go. Uh, on the 9th of May, the Australian Parliament convened for the first time in Canberra. Um, and previously, they'd been meeting in Melbourne, where, you know, I mean, the cultural Where capital. they belong. Uh, right. yeah. yeah, where they belong. Um, on the... 20th and 21st of May, Charles Lindbergh made his first solo non-stop transatlantic aeroplane flight from New York to Paris in his single-engined aircraft. Does anyone know what it was called? Ooh, Daisy. You'll, you'll, <laughs> the spirit of St. Louis. <laughs> St. Louis. Of course. Yeah. Um, on July 24th, the Menin Gate was de- dedicated as a war memorial at Ypres in Belgium. Yep. And on October the 8th, the Murderer's Row team of the New York Yankees completed a four-game sweep of the Pittsburgh Pirates in the World Series. So, What is that? The Murderer's Row? The Murderer's Row was the unbelievably famous team. There was Babe Ruth, Lou, Lou Gehrig. They had about five guys inducted into the um, Hall of Fame, two pitchers and four batters. Why, they, why are they called the Murderer's Row? Because they just murdered anyone that came oh, up against okay. them. Doesn't yeah. matter who comes next. They're so it's actually... So like the machine. But in well, that, that's why I thought yeah. there was a bit of symmetry there. Yeah, so it was like the, we've got the machine in in uh, in Melbourne and the and Murderers Row in New York. <laughs> and how many years did Murderers Row? Murderers Row. They were, I think, it was about the same four years or so. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, very interesting. Hmm. Um, on November the twelfth, uh, Mahatma Gandhi made his first and last visit to Ceylon, and Leon Trotsky was expelled from the Soviet. Communist Party leaving Stalin with undisputed control over the Soviet Union. Oh, that's not good. Also, no, <laughs> that's not good. And um, at some point in that year, the world population reached 2 billion. Okay. So there we go. They're, those are the events. Fantastic. As I said, great year. Great yeah. year. Hey, I don't, I don't want to backtrack too much. but oh, please. Um, uh, should we give Charlie a little bit of license to talk a little bit more about the, the Melbourne Cup? Oh, yeah. Everyone? Well, you know how I like the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> yeah, hoof to hoof. And that hoof to hoof. That's right. No, Where are we stuck in the pump If we're just mentioning, if we, yeah, if we're mentioning the, mentioning the winner, you know. Okay. It's it's very it's I very like topical, it. as you would have heard in um uh, a Collingwood ep- episode talking about John Wren basically made all his money off picking uh the cup winner in twelve. Oh. 
No, it oh. wasn't like the 1890s. Might have been earlier, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, go back and go. check that episode. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, so, back to births as well. We had uh, Sidney Poitier, the uh, film director and actor. Harry Belafonte, the musician. <laughs> there you go. Um, Harry Beitzel, or Beitzel? Beitzel. Yeah, yeah, Beitzel, the AFL umpire or VFL umpire and broadcaster. He's also credited with beginning into the international rules and taking the first team, the Galahs. Oh, he did the Galahs, okay. Yeah, that, he's credited with it, I'm yeah. not sure, yeah. Um, we have Pope Benedict the 16th. Oh, good Pope. Mm, great Pope. Better than the 15th Pope. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Slim Dusty <laughs> was born on June the 13th and... Ten- gr- tennis playing great, the Australian Frank Sedgman was born on October 29th. The there there we go. Nice. Big Sedge. Good year. Good year. Great, great year. year. Great Excuse year. me. Great year. All, All right, right, so some league news before we get into the teams. In April, I don't know if you guys read this, Jeff Moriarty, father of uh, Jack, an ex Fitzroy player, mm-hmm. started offering football lessons by post. How do you, how do, you do oh, football you can, lessons? Oh, you can write post. in and get like. I don't know, he'd send you tactics and pamphlets, possibly. Cost Mm. two pounds and two shillings. Mm. Seems quite expensive. Per lesson, yeah. Mm. You've got to sign up for the six months. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the full six months, yeah. It's it's worked out out cheaper if you bought the whole thing. (laughs) In in May, Magistrate W.G. Smith calls for the abolition... Abolition? Mm-hmm. ...of bars at the football while convicting Stephen Brazil... Brazil? 36, a tanner, for having obstructed police at Victoria Park while trying to break up a fight. So just drunken hooligans, basically. Oh, I'm glad that we sorted that out. (laughs) I'm glad. Um, And there was some questions asked during the state carnival, which we'll talk later about. Um, Players suggesting they needed some form of counsel or representation when they were mistreated. So a players association, effectively. Yeah, okay. So back in the 1920s, they were talking about this sort of stuff. Of getting someone to look after them. Um, I was at in... More club news, but it happened before the season. Um, South Melbourne had introduced a popular innovation, which was selling reserved grandstand seats. So we started seeing that in the finals, and now it's... Smart. Yeah, Yeah. it's becoming a thing. Um, Also, before we get stuck into the season, Timmy, we left people on a cliffhanger (laughs) last year. Charlie Tyson? Charlie Tyson. All right. Collingwood captain. Now, we talked about this. He... Played shockingly in didn't, their Didn't in have their a last good grand game. final. No. Did not have a good grand final. And Collingwood got thumped. And Collingwood got smacked by whom? 57 you points. You asked. Um, Just remember. Did we say? It was the Fuchsias. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so we left it there, but there was a lot of controversy after that. Yep. It didn't really get sorted out until... Tw- 27, so no. we thought we'd talk about and it now. not until the season had just about started either. So they, he, They're really good at leaving things to the last minute, aren't they? Yeah, they are. He led the team in practice games. Um, he was there for the whole preseason uh, set, and set to skipper again. He would have been the captain in theory. Then on the eve of the season, so Anzac Day, which is the 25th of April, the season starting Still is. not too long. Yep. Um, <laughs> he was dumped not only as captain, but as... As a player. Coach, as player as well. He yeah. got completely, yeah, completely cut, cut from the club. Yeah. Um, so, and many thought this was because he'd played dead. Yeah. He did happen to buy a new car around this time. Yeah. That was just yeah. a, so unfortunate circumstances. Well, so, yeah. So this was a thing. It was a, it was a big um, he, uh, he said, she said type thing. He was embroiled in a scandal saying that he was bribed to play dead by someone. But that's just was. people. that was just people speculating once he left. Yeah. But oh. The, the was tr- it? Yeah. The, tr- the truth of the matter was 
he had finished. He failed to lead the club to two premierships in yeah. 25 and 26 and the club kind of a little bit like Jack Watts I'd say he they decided to get rid of him yeah yeah so let, let he hasn't done the job so we've got Sid Coventry waiting in the wings let's dump Tyson and bring on this young skipper who we know is a proven player yeah and that's effectively what they did but obviously everyone was speculating about why he got dumped and and that's why because they they wanted to move on they were they were ruthless and and they wanted to move on, but to dump him from the club entirely, not just as co- as captain or uh, playing coach, because he was playing coach. No, no he wasn't. John McHale. John McHale, of course. Sorry, um, d- but to dump him, not yeah, not just as captain, but as a player, is you can kind of understand why people would jump to some Conclusion. sorts of conclusions, especially because of what happened yeah. and the fact, as you said, that he was um, seen uh, driving around town in a brand spanking new car early in the next year. Yeah, um, but. As as uh, as you said, it was it was really looked into by um, Richard Richard Stremsky, who wrote yeah who wrote Kill um, for Collingwood Kill for Collingwood and and as far as he could tell, and he's done a lot more research on this than yeah. we have. <laughs> he's come down on Tyson's side, just saying it, it. just seems like you know if you looked at the game through the mud in in the uh, semi final against Essendon, uh, Charlie Tyson was concussed. Yeah, he was basically knocked out. And the, we know the now, yeah, yeah, we know now about concussion. You shouldn't be playing no. next week. No, and that's possibly the reason why he did as well. And also, evidence from the game is he was playing his heart and soul. He was crashing into people. He made a few tactical decisions that didn't quite move. I think it was moving Jack Beveridge off Ivor Warren Smith. That's right. Yeah, because he was making. It wasn't just the way he was playing. He was sort of controlling the way other people were playing as well. Yeah. So you can, yeah, yeah, as as captains sometimes do. Yeah. Yeah. So he he was eventually like he wrote into the paper exonerated. Yeah, he was eventually exonerated. Unfortunately, Stremsky's book came out after he'd passed. So. He had to live with this his whole life. Yeah, mm-hmm. but well, well, it does feel good to clear clear it a bit. It does. <laughs> it does. It does. Name. And and Tyson goes on the play. He gets transferred to Footscray, I believe, yeah. or uh, North. Uh, North, I think. North. Is actually. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he does. He does continue playing, just not for Collingwood. Yes. Mm. So there, there you go. We left you on that cliffhanger, and now we've just <laughs> filled you with information. I hope it was worth it, guys. <laughs> um, so let's go in our usual order, Kaz. Bottom to top. So in twelfth. Tim, thank you. Hawthorne with, uh, yep, I know, down there still. One win, 17 losses, and 63.1%. Um, it's not looking good yet, Charlie. It's, no, it's not. So they uh, <laughs> they finished on the bottom in their first year. Then, you know, they started moving up. They got to 11th, but now they're back down the bottom, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, captained by Pat Burke and coached again by Dan Minogue. Yeah. Their lead goal kicker was Bert Hyde again with 41 and as I said, their second uh, second wooden spoon in three years. It is not a great start for the boys. No. Um, they, yeah, they had, an, well, a shocking year, really. I mean, there wasn't too much else to say about it. Their, Bert Hyde was by far their, their best goal kicker. He kicked more than double the next guy. Um, I've got a name for you, Kaz, okay. on the list. They had 40 players play. <laughs> One of the ones that's jumped straight out to me is Clem Splat. Nice. <laughs> All right. Oh, great. So it goes up for a mark. The, yep. the ball's sailing through the air. He reaches his arms and up. And splat. splat. Down on the ground, dropping the mark. Co- yeah. Yeah. Is he a debutant or is he just a player? Uh, he, no, he's, a, he's a, just a player. He actually played for Collingwood a couple of games in 2022. Then moved over to Hawthorne in 25, and this is his final year. He only got two games and kicked no goals. So, he, yeah. So he's going to get another nickname, really, isn't he? His, his name's Splat, but he's going to get a goal like um, 
uh, oh, I don't know, something to do with dropping the ball or <laughs> something <laughs> yeah, like that. No, it's just going to be, gotta be something. I've also got a few other Hawthorne names that would be great here. Oh, come on. Um, one of the deb- debutants was Jack Boothman. Yeah, good. And in his second year was Stuart Stewart. Oh, yeah, we talked about Stuart last last year, didn't we? Stuart Stewart, all right. Well, we, we didn't. I don't think we actually mentioned him. Oh. Um, but I mentioned that. I, sorry, I, I noticed this during the uh, my research. Wait, yeah. so, so his first name's Stuart, surname is Stuart. S-T-U-A-R-T, Stuart, and his surname's S-T-E-W-A-R-T. So well, Stuart, that makes Stuart. sense, obviously. Yeah. You're never going to get that confused. <laughs> He's definitely on. We should definitely put him down for... Yes, yeah. the, the award. What do we call it? The Kraken the Shield, McCracken the McCracken Name Award, the McCracken Name Award. <laughs> so yeah, forty players played, one hundred and forty-eight goals. Uh, just an ugly year, Timmy. Yeah, it was. Uh, look, what did you? I think you started. You talked about this last year. They lost sixteen in a row across yeah. the two seasons. Was it sixteen? Yeah, so that yeah, that's right. So it started last year and it went into this year. So they they won. What was who was their one win for the year against this year? It was uh, against North. Against North late in the season. Yeah. So round three. Uh, following their third loss of the year, they they played Footscray, and there were injuries to Bert Hyde, Stuart Stewart, and Clem Splat. Um, <laughs> and there was talk that Minogue may pull the boots on again. Uh, yeah, he, however, did of not. Course. Oh damn! Round eleven, Bert Hyde kicked six in a loss against Essendon. Round fifteen, they finally got a win, thirty a twenty three point win over North Melbourne in what was becoming a regular battle for the wooden spoon. Oh. Yeah. Uh, round 18, Ron Black in the last game attempted a mark near the boundary line and fell on a picket and broke his leg Ooh, below the knee. God. Um, and it was said while having his leg set, his only anaesthetic was a cigarette. <laughs> well, that's all you need. Now, finally, in December, Dan Minogue left the club. He was given a transfer uh, clearance to coach Newtown in Tasmania. Well, he's put in, you know... Two years. Yeah. Two no, years. I mean, in the... yeah. But in the VFL, I mean, he's been around oh, for a while now. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's ready time. to go. Yeah, I suppose that's why we didn't, we don't hear about him being at Hawthorne that much because it no. really wasn't that long. No, no. And, I mean, and this man time, of that stature. And this time, we're, I mean, we're just about in the Depression era, aren't we? So anywhere there's money, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. pretty much going. That's why Kazali left. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So uh, moving up to eleventh place, North Melbourne, and they've actually got uh, three wins above Hawks. One there. So they won that battle there. And if you, um, if you remember, Kaz, they didn't actually win a game last year. Oh, exactly. So they've atoned for that with, unfortunately, the 15 losses and 73.5%. Not too pretty either. No. As you said, yeah, they, these guys are really uh, fighting for that wooden spoon at the moment, <laughs> aren't they? Um, captain and coach by, well, Sid Barker, but also by the man we just spoke about, Charlie Tyson. Yeah. So he came across before the season started. And right at the start of the season, right so the didn't do any season. preseason. No, and but also okay. interesting to say that uh, Sid Barker returned from Essendon. Yes, but he was a, I think, a four-time Premiership VFA Premiership player with North Melbourne. Yeah, so that's it. So he came back and quite nice that he finishes back where he started. Yeah, I think. absolutely. And Charlie Tyson was their lead goal kicker this year with twenty-three. Oh. Um, there were a cut. Look, even though they only won three games for the year, there were a couple of shining lights for North. Obviously, having Sid Barker come back, who's a star. I mean, he's in the dying, at the dying ends of his career now, mm. at this stage. But you know, have, having him come home is always good. Yeah. Also, had three players: Bill Russ, Leo Dwyer, and Dave Walsh were all named in the Victorian side for the National Carnival. I think uh, Walsh was unable to play because he was injured, yep. but the other two did. So they've got some guys there who are good players. Yeah, yeah which is good. 
And so moving up to 10. No, hold on. I've got some things about North. Sorry, Kaz. Sorry to, to jump in there. Um, round one, they beat Fitzroy by four points. They came from behind. Um, they kicked nine goals, 21. So that was their first win in over a season. Ooh, Going back to 1925, that first season. They what ran. a day, though. Yeah, they actually started the season really well. Round two, they beat old nemesis Essendon at Windy Hill by 11. Again, Ooh. coming from behind. Round three, they had a two-point loss to Geelong. Again, coming from behind, they held Geelong scoreless in the last quarter but couldn't quite overcome that deficit of two points. Round four, they kicked a a then-record score for them of 20 goals 13 to absolutely rip Hawthorne apart. Uh, And they sat top of the ladder. Yeah, Winless the year before, now top of the ladder. Top of the ladder after what what round was that? That was round four. Round four. So after this... They wouldn't win another game. <laughs> the wheel fall, the so, wheels fall off. Interesting. At, in round four, their percentage stood at 138.1. They finished with and a 75. Dropped to 73.5. Yeah, wow. Because of the thumpings. Uh, their yeah. closest loss coming in 13, which was a four point loss to Essendon. Yep. Uh, round eight, they had a 24 point loss to Carlton. And this is where Jack Barker injured his knee he, and he tried to battle on. Poetically, his last game would be in round 13 against Essendon. Sid Barker. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, think, I thought you said Jack. I think you said Jack Barker before. Sid, Sid Barker. Yeah. Sorry. Beautiful. Yeah. So he his last game as a player was against Essendon. Oh, quite nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so Charlie Tyson took over in round 14. His first game was against Geelong and was a 94 point loss. Yeah. His first game one? as captain. First game as captain, yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. That's Play dead. Season. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, hopefully drove to that game in that, that nice shiny. Um, I didn't say they they had thirty eight players play for them that that year with a combined total of one hundred and forty eight. No names sticking out to me in that team for you for the for our award this time, Kaz. Mm. Apart from um, Charlie Cameron, who made his debut right, <laughs> one hundred ninety five years ago. I suppose that yes. like if you've got similar names or like if you've got the same name as a as um, a current yes. player or yeah. or even as like a celebrity, yeah, yeah significance. Yeah, and it's Sydney Portier marking it. In <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are going up to tenth place, Footscray, um, with six wins and twelve losses and eighty-five point four percent. Again, our new three are the bottom three. Yep. When is that going to change? Pretty soon, I think. Okay. Ah. Um, so captain and coached again by Paddy Scanlon. Their lead goal kicker was Les Chapel with uh, thirty-two, and. Their best and fairest winner, and I'm I've often not named the BNF because we're not sure whether it actually was one. Yeah, but right. this one was the f- this was the first official one. This was the um, the president's that well the president it was named after the president the president's cup. So oh. Ivan McAlpine became the first official winner of the best and fairest for Footscray nice. this year. Mm, great. Um, the yeah. tricolours. He, he, he was a debutant as well. Yeah. So he, he was his first game in round one against Essendon and would go on to play 179 games for them. Yeah. That's pretty good for a first game. Not bad. Not yeah. bad at all. I'm, I'm going to pull you up on something very quickly, okay, Charlie. please. Paddy Scanlon actually crossed from South Melbourne, so he hadn't been at Footscray the year before. Oh, did I say again? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he crossed for the fee of nine pounds a week as a playing coach. That's a... That's... Solid, yeah, that's good pay. Yeah, well, we know. I mean, he. I think Paddy Scanlon well, had tried for the Carlton position the right, year or yeah. two before and had not been transferred, cleared. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you think you know, so nine pounds, he's paying two of that to our old Moriarty to get all his coaching tips. <laughs> so he's coming out seven ahead. That's yeah. not bad. Yeah, <laughs> Moriarty. Um, so round three against Footscray, they got their first win. Sorry, 
round three against. They had a they had a win over Hawthorne in round three. <laughs> <laughs> Their first win of the year. Uh, Hopkins kicking five. I think I just had a stroke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, can I edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> round five, they scored a win over South by a goal. So that's you know. Woo! Yeah. And then round six, back to back wins. Five goal victory over Fitzroy at Brunswick Street Oval with three to Hopkins in that game. So that's you know three and three after six rounds. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah, looking good. Looking at the finals. Round eight, data forget they had a hundred and twenty six point loss to Collingwood. Oh, oh god, the machine. Round, round eleven, a win over North by twenty eight points and an eight goal second quarter set up that win, eight despite a, a scoreless quarter. third quarter. That is massive. Yeah. So Damn. Chapel kicked four and Hopkins five in that that win. And um, finally, wins in round 14 and 17 saw them total six wins for the year. Two of those were over Hawthorne, two over Fitzroy, and one over South and North. So they're looking, look, as we've, as we've jumped up, I mean, I, I'm not meaning to uh, put poor salt into the wounds, but I mean, there's daylight between Hawthorne and North and, and Footscray, right? Like they're actually competitive, Hawthorne at this stage. And no, nowhere to be seen. Whereas no. North, North I mean, and Footscray are pretty good. Yeah, Footscray seemed to have the wood over Fitzroy. They've yeah, been a few times now. Yeah, yeah, interesting, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, getting there slowly but surely. Mm. Grinding out six wins as well. Fitzroy in ninth place, um, but one draw and eleven losses. Eighty-five point seven percent. So the same amount of wins there. Just that draw, Fitzroy putting putting them one place above Footscray. Mm. So, um, captain by Len Wigraft and coached again by Vic Belcher. Yeah. Um, yep. Our lead goal kicker this year was Jack Moriarty with 83. You know, obviously wow. he's getting tips from his dad. Yeah. He gets free tips. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, free tips. Unbelievable. Yeah, you'd hope that'd be free. Well, Old, no. old man Moriarty. I'm old man Moriarty. They are near the, near, the, uh, near the depression. <laughs> um, yeah, so... They were they were sitting they were sitting pretty I mean well no they weren't at all <laughs> but there was but, there was optimism at Fitzroy this year they had a, quite a few big recruits come in so three VFA recruits and three interstate recruits had the club really kind of ready for some more success yeah and quite a consistent team this year only thirty four players quite a few playing fifteen sixteen seventeen games which is good and they kicked a lot of goals yeah. were a fair few one hundred and ninety for the season so they were. Losing, but they were they were kicking scores, which is good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Moriarty, as you said, absolutely dominated the goals for Fitzroy. Goals in every game. His lowest tally being two. Yeah. In wow. round seventeen. So if that's your lowest score, that's you're doing pretty well. Pretty good. Um, round. So they didn't have their first round win until round four. Round six, they had sorry. Round five, they had an embarrassing loss to Footscray. Um, and following this, Goldie Collins didn't play again for the year. Oh, really? Gold- well, if you remember, he missed 25 through suspension. That's right. Came back last year and then got suspended halfway through and was out for the rest of the year. So he's just... What's he's a liability. Why, yeah. does, why does he bother? Just change your ways or don't play. Mm. Round Tell seven... what you really think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, round seven, Moriarty kicked eight goals and a win over Hawthorne. In round eight, he added another seven goals and then win over South. So just kicking bags. Um, round nine in Fitzroy's nine-point loss to Geelong, Norm Cockram was reported and suspended for ten weeks. So in the third quarter, the Black Cats player Eric Fleming elbowed Cockram, and after he'd stumbled a bit, he turned around and kicked Eric Fleming. So yeah. Fleming received eight weeks, uh, as did Maroons player Bill Donald. That's quite a. He yeah. was given eight weeks for charging. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, they're famous for that rough style. Maybe so, it bubbles over occasionally. Yeah, well, yeah, they, the men, they're the, a men's the, team. The men's team. They're the men's team. Yeah. <laughs> shall, I, shall I add Norm Cochram yeah, please. to this list? <laughs> it's better if you say it, Cochram. I'm not Cochram. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's spelled. Um, and round 16, they knocked off ladder leader Collingwood, the old enemy, at Brunswick Street Oval by oh, seven good. points. Keeping that rivalry alive. Absolutely. I love it. They, they came from behind. Uh, Moriarty kicked six for the Maroons. We're not- kicking bags every week, Big Jack. Yeah. Imagine if he was. And, and imagine I'm, if he was still at the same old cat. Imagine <laughs> uh, finals for sure. Then we'd have free lessons as well from his old man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so also, uh, uh, who's kicked more goals than him this year? I'm interested to know. Ah, uh, oh, well, there is a few people actually. What? Which yeah. is unbelievable. Fantastic. You look, at, you look at the scores of the games. They are, you know, it's creeping up there. So we we yeah. are starting to see some big bags being kicked. Which is good. Delicious. It's good. It's all happening. It's all happening in the VFL. <laughs> and as we said, um, unfortunately, Essendon, Tim, uh, next one up from Fitzroy. <laughs> um, six, six wins and one draw, like you said, with Fitzroy, and uh, 11 losses, but 96.8%. Who's kicking the goals there for Essendon? Uh, Jack Vosti. 35. Uh-huh. Le- less than half of Jack Moriarty's, but who's counting? <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, captain coached by uh, Frank Ma, as I said, lead goal kicker with Jack Vosti with 35. This is their, the first time in five years they've missed out on the finals, Timmy. Look, it's, uh, yeah. You, you can't what, say out forever. What goes up must come down. <laughs> yep. That's it. It happens it's to the best of them. It's, it happens to in. the best of them. That's right. Uh, they had 33 players play, 166 combined, combined goals. Um, got a couple of uh, got a well I don't, I don't know I'm going to throw some names at you Kaz and see you know, <laughs> should they make the list um, Dick Gosling <laughs> <laughs> he's I laughing I okay, put it on there um, there's so many dicks though right yeah well that's it I mean oh, that's, maybe that's, this, the award probably needs to have some sort of reference to that in it too there's going to be so many of them that's got oh, yeah well it could that's, be a subcategory. That's probably, well, that's that's probably the best the one. Well, I guess once we, like, after we choose that's this one, then it's only probably new recruits, isn't it? So every year we're only looking at debutants. Yeah, exactly. Challenges. Yeah, the challenges to it. Yeah, exactly. And thanks for always coming back to me. I enjoy that. <laughs> uh, so, if you remember in 26, there was quite a lot of stars who left us and then they lost yeah, a lot of experience. at the start of the year, but... Same happened this year. So they lost... Oh, they lost more. Clyde Donaldson, Jack Garden, Justin McCarthy, George Shorten... Charlie May was suspended for that big hit oh, against yeah. in Melbourne, so he he was out. Sid Barker went back to North Melbourne, yeah. Um, so a lot more experience is going down the drain. So, as you said, what goes up must come down. Yeah, it's just that changeover of the guard. Um, Frank Marr, as you said, became captain coach. Mm. Started started strong. Round one, eight goal win over Footscray. Brilliant. Yep, great way to start. Then round two, 11-point loss to North Melbourne at home. Yeah, which, win which isn't good. What was that? We said it before. That was their first win in more than a year. Yeah. So oh, sorry, second, second. Second win in more than yeah. a year, yeah. Um, but in this game, umpire Osborne reportedly awarded 151 free kicks across the game. You're kidding. Oh. <laughs> That's more control. than Marty Tulliff. What? Uh, That's outrageous. Round... Yeah, there's not a lot here to talk about, really. Round 14 in Essendon's lost to Carlton at Windy Hill by eight points. Frank Marr played his 100th consecutive match, not having missed a game since round 9, 1923. That's massive. Mm. Um, 
Uh, a low light was round 15. They had a 99-point loss to the Fuchsias. <laughs> yeah, they uh, did. Look at him trying to, trying to hide that. Fuchsias kicked 14 goals to two in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> and then coasted. Uh, round 17. Yeah. Uh, against Collingwood at Victoria Park, the Dons held Collingwood goals for two quarters, but couldn't score themselves in the last quarter and lost by a point. Oh, that's an honourable loss. Uh, and right also, there. sad news for the club... Um, with absolute star legend Albert Thurgood dying in May as Albert a result the of mm. a car accident. He was buried with Anglican rites in Brighton Cemetery, age 53. Oh, God. So absolute champion of the league. Great. Star in the VFA, champion of the colony, premiership player. Yeah. Great with the club. He's part of the team of the century. He's, yeah, invincible. He's an in, he was an invincible. <laughs> a, little mm. bit of, a little bit of controversy at some stage there as yeah, well. It's got it all. Unfortunately, yep. Yeah, so you need a so bit of controversy in your life. You don't need to be too clean. No, that's right. Make no, one, tr- no one talks about you if you're too clean. <laughs> You've got to keep things interesting. <laughs> so the Mosquito Fleet have drifted down, putting this team into seventh place, Charlie. Oh, which team? Which team, Kaz? That team that I speak of is the Mighty Saints with eight wins. The Mighty Saints sitting seventh. Five <laughs> teams below them, including the same old. It's unbelievable. Their percentage was actually 75.3, which is roughly Shocking. just <laughs> under 20. Lower than... Uh, the they're, quite good. they're quite good at winning games, but losing the ones they do lose very badly, aren't they? Ah, oh, yes. Okay. Um, so, um, captained by Angus Horry Mason and coached by George Haynes, uh, their lead goal kicker was Jack Shelton with 24. Um, they had 38 players play, 164 combined goals. Um, with a couple a couple more people for our list here, Kaz. Obviously, our favourite from the last couple of years, Cyril Jazzlegs Gambetta. Well, do we add him? Because I'm pretty sure he'll probably win one of the previous years. Do we add him to this well, list? Well, I think we have to because okay. he could hold it here, right? Like, yeah. he's definitely won. Yeah. But is this this could be like his fourth year in a row. Well, and this is the thing. I, I, I would be ashamed for him not to be to be noticed. If, if, yeah, we don't want to miss him. No, so exactly. you can't just mention him one time if he holds that for a exactly. while. Exactly. Um, I've got a couple of a couple of other names here. I don't know whether they need, they need to be added. I'm just going to throw them out there at you. Wal Gunyan, uh, <laughs> Roy Leeper. Can I add one, please? Sid Hayhow. Sid Hayhow. Yeah, yeah. Hayhow. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I hope that'll do it. Yep. Hey, Hal. Um, so, Jazzlegs Gambetta had a good year. 23 he, goals, only just missed out. If you look at the uh, Brownlow voting, he's hmm. the second or third year in a row consistently their best player. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I he's, mean, yeah. Jazzlegs. Yeah, yeah Jazzlegs. Yeah, came in I mean, with what that else do you have to say? <laughs> I feel, can, can we write a Jazzlegs, like Jazzy Jazzlegs tune? <laughs> Absolutely. Can, I, I can just to. imagine that. Mm. Um, yeah, he started, he started quietly, didn't he? But um, yeah, he's, uh, he's a pretty he's, significant he's really player. He's mark. So as the season was starting, the Colin Watson issue popped up again. So if you remember, won the Brownlow, then left and moved oh, to the yes. country. They yeah. blocked his, the VFL blocked him playing. Uh, the Ballarat League giving him clearance to play with Maryborough. This enraged the VFL, and their rule was that a player must sit out for three years, not one. So in May, they, they suspended the Ballarat League. Um, pretty much saying we're cutting ties with the Ballarat League. Oh, the entire um, so they're not. There's no. Uh, there's no in interleague games. I, I, I being assume played so. With the yeah, and that if Watson played, he would be disqualified, like deregistered. Oh, 
They're really throwing the toys out of the cot there, aren't they, the BFL? <laughs> They've got to make a stand, don't they? Don't they? line in the sand. Well, what did what did we hear the other the other year when they kicked out the Footscray um, president? It's a blind autocracy or mm. something. Yeah, masquerading as yeah. a democracy. Yeah, and I think that's that's correct. <laughs> they can see the future with the way the players move. It was. I think Ballarat beat them in the carnival last year as well. Is that no, right? maybe it was just an excuse <laughs> not to get embarrassed? Yeah. Uh, so round one, they had a great start to the year with a win over Hawthorne. Their new coach was playing at this stage, Haynes, or Hines, previously Hines. Uh, uh, he'd hurt his knee a few weeks earlier and strained it again in this game with Clary Lethlin falling on him in the second quarter and his knee, knee gave out. He hobbled about for the rest of the day and avoided the packs. This would be his last game as a player. Uh, round seven, they were undefeated at home until this game. Playing the Fuchsias, uh, they dominated St Kilda to record a comfortable win. In this game, McConville threw a ball at a St Kilda player, so Jazzlegs Gambetta rushed him with his left hand clenched. Hey! A scrimmage ensued, although the umpire's vision was obscured by the St Kilda trainer. However, as a result, Jazzlegs received a four-week suspension. Uh. Round 11, in a 91-point thumping by Carlton, Stan Hepburn received a 10-match suspension for punching Harvey Dunn of Carlton, who also received an eight-match uh, suspension for punching him back. <laughs> Billy Cubbins, uh, champion of the club at this stage, was set to retire but was talked into staying. And there was also, Charlie, you, you won't believe this, there was some Go disharmony on. on the board. Stop. Um, there was talk of players not being paid. Uh, the club denied this. Players not being paid? Yeah. Really? There was uh, financial issues and the club had some, had some debt. Round 18, they played Carlton in the final round. If they were to beat Carlton, Melbourne would take their spot in the fo- would take Carlton's spot in the four. So a Melbourne supporter offered each St Kilda player five pounds each if they beat Carlton. Really? Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> Not um, surprising. And some more sad news here was that um, Vic Cumberland, former champion, was also killed. killed in a car crash. Yeah, he was riding his motorbike in Ferntree uh. Gully and hit a cow. Oh. oh no! He died in hospital several months later. Yeah, so so Vic, Vic, unfortunately, Vic Cumberland, come on. Yeah. yeah, one of the very one of the greats, just like Albert the Great, really. Vic yeah. the Great, yeah, yeah. We're both yeah. champions of the colony. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, Vic tried to make it a worldwide game. Yeah, that's right, he did so, too. Yeah. He went to yeah. Sydney, yeah. Uh, to New Zealand, to the states. Also, did he go to the states? As there well? was plans for that, but then uh, the war happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, yes. a Melbourne Premiership player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He started his career with the with Melbourne. Yeah, the futures. Mm-hmm. Should have stayed there. Yeah, it's a bit untimely there. I wonder what else he would have done. Mm. Um, he was he was a secretary there for a while. Was is that it was, Cumberland? Was don't he know. serving I know he, on the, in the administration for I, I don't remember. I don't think sure. so. I know he was also a McGarry medalist in South Australia. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Great figure. Great figure. Certainly was. So that takes us to South Melbourne. So they're they're not they're not going down. They're not going away easily with nine wins and nine losses. No. Nine, and nine wait. Have I got that right? No. What? Yeah, no, no. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, just, nine, I was agreeing nine nine. with you. Nine and nine, yeah. Nine and nine, and in sixth place it was. So, South, uh, getting it together. They're just missing the finals though. So, unfortunately, yeah. So, uh, give us captain and coached by Charlie Panham, oh, yeah. again, and their lead goal kicker was Ted Johnson with fifty. He was looking good. He was uh, head and shoulders above the rest. Yep. Um, a couple of guys kicked kick 19. Jack Barnes, Charlie Panham kicked 19. Jack Petchel kicked 19. Yeah, some, some interesting goal tallies. Yeah. From the old... Uh, Isn't it? Bloods. Um, 
and Kazali just behind that with 10 also. But yeah, 29 players playing, so a very consistent team and 192 goals kicked between them. So some good. interesting recruits. Obviously, they lost Paddy Scanlon to Footscray, but they gained Ted Burke from Richmond. Hmm. Other recruits were Austin Robertson, Len Thomas, and Cecil Petiona. Len Thomas being the son of uh, player Bill Sonner Thomas. Former oh, Richmond. Sonner Thomas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, South Melbourne and Richmond player. So round one, they had a great one-point victory over Carlton at Princess Park. South led by four points late before a string of Carlton points brought the scores level. And Ted Johnson scored a behind to give them the lead, kind of as the siren went. Yep. Close one. Round five, they, there was a loss to Collingwood in this game by 39 points, but it was reported in this game that 16 players were injured, eight from each team. Oh, Okay. I didn't dig any more into that, but it didn't sound great. No. Round nine, Johnson kicks four and Kazali three in a win over Essendon in a game described as a fine game of football. Round 10, South recorded a strong win over Hawthorne in the mud. Players were drenched to the skin in their struggle for the ball. For the winners, Ted Johnson kicked seven Seven, goals, ten. And fellow forward Charlie Panham added 2-2. So between the two of them, nine goals, (laughs) twelve. I think of of the 18 goals they kicked that game. Yeah, wow. And then finally, round 11, Ted Johnson followed his six goals the previous week with... Sorry. With another five. Kicked but, seven goals in round yeah, 10 and six, and six in round 11. round 11, yeah. And then, I mean, good, yeah, good, uh, good bags by him. He kicked five against St Kilda then in round 14. <coughs> but mainly, apart from... He, he didn't, didn't kick a goal against St Kilda in round three, but apart from that, kicked at least one in every game, mainly threes or fours. Yeah. So he, he looked good. Yeah. The young man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's finally good to see them with a forward line. That, uh, well, they've got a makeshift forward line, it sounds like. They've got... Uh, well, they've got some good players. And they're, they're that's it. And sharing a few different load. avenues to goal, yeah, which well, is always important. Always. Yeah, share it around. good side. But they, um, again, like the previous year, they left their run to the finals too late. That's they had a, too many early losses. Yeah, that's the problem. Mm-mm. That's always the problem. You can't do it. <laughs> Yeah. And <laughs> no, no, we're no did it last year. They'll probably do it again this and year. We're lear- and D- the D's are doing it this year. We're learning. Yeah. Are we ever learning from history? <laughs> or we're doomed to repeat it, people. <laughs> God! Charlie, <laughs> it would pain you to know that we're about to go up into fifth uh, place. Yes. Which has been vacated by, by Melbourne. No. Oh, it's been filled. We've filled, filled, filled the spot. The futures have filled the spot, is, unfortunately. Is there an expression for a team that wins a flag and then miss the finals? Is there a term, an AFL term for that? There should be. There should be. Uh, we um, should, we should. Inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that, though. There's, there's, many, there's many terms for that, I think, <laughs> depending on what pub let's, you're let's, at and let's what time p- it is. Let's ponder that. Yeah. Building up the greatest hope and dashing it badly. What's a good word for that? Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had 12 wins and six losses and a whopping 132.4%. Oh, Charlie, yeah. I'm keen to know why mm. that's so high. Well, it's inter- it was very interesting. Uh, so, captain coach again by Bert Chadwick, the great man. Hail the great man. <laughs> Premiership Hail. captain coach. Yeah. Uh, lead goal kicker, <laughs> Harry Davey, with 40 this year. Uh-huh. Look, we came into this season with great hopes. As you would. As you would. We, I mean... We were we were very good last the previous year. We beat the Mosquito Fleet, pounded them. Some would say, <laughs> um, swatted them away. Like. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And um, there were no changes in our team. Why not? Why couldn't we do it again? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, we just were 
crippled by injury and sickness, unfortunately. There were only five players that we had play, who played in all games and most of our stars were at some point in the season uh, unavailable oh, and couldn't play. Sounds like Things started season. really well for us as well, though, didn't they, Timmy? Like we had... We were equal first after 10 rounds with Collingwood, Geelong and Richmond. Yep. We'd, we'd done really well and then we lost to Collingwood and Richmond in the next two games and only won one more after that, I think. So we found it hard to beat teams above us? That doesn't sound well, like... No, we won the story of your that. losses is basically they had slow starts to the games and couldn't just they couldn't get back into it. Are you talking about this year or 1927? <laughs> I can't believe Both. how... <laughs> Um, yeah. So do you want? Have you got any debutants or like? Did they get any new players in, or is it pretty well, much? No, it was ve- it was pretty much the same team. There was there were no real significant changes. Um, no, not not that I, not that I've got to talk about. We had thirty one players play, two hundred and seventeen goals uh, between them. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of uh, good names out there, we've got. Um, I mean, no, they're all pretty. Uh, they're all pretty, um, pretty stock standard, you know. Melbourne names, I would say. So yeah, no, that's that's it. What what have you got for me, Timmy? What's the story? All right. So they raised the flag in the, in round one. Who do you think raised the flag? Was it the president's? It wife? was not. Oh no! Oh, no, don't, um, don't mess this with is, tradition. This is maybe that's why they didn't win the flag. Um, actually, it's, it's quite nice what they did to, for raising the flag. Did you have you read? No. No. Who would you get to raise the flag if you were Melbourne? Um, somebody significant like... Um, <gasps> Bill McClelland. No. Damn it. Vic Cum- Even more significant. Vic Cumberland can't do it. Henry Harrison. Harry, Henry yeah. Harrison. Oh, Fantastic. Helped unfurl the Red Legs' first pennant since 1900. Uh, I love that. Yeah, nice that's touch. great. Yeah. He didn't do a backflip off the top of the stadium. No. Okay. Not what the Eagles did this year, but yeah, he helped unfurl it. Yeah, good. Because yeah, <laughs> he's, he's now 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He does his backflips at other places. Uh, Richmond players in this game gave Melbourne a three cheers for their success. Oh, good on them. Yeah, but yeah. on the ground, things took a bad turn when the Tigers kicked the first five goals of the match. Oh. However, Melbourne recovered to not only match the Tigers' effort, but pass them with the first change of ends. Richmond would only add another four for the game, while Melbourne would add another 11. Bob Johnson kicking nine for the reigning premiers in that game. Round two, only another... in his second year. Great, man. Yeah. Round two, another slow start saw a loss to South Melbourne. Uh, and in this game, they were without Bob Johnson Sr., with who had flu, and Herbie White was missing because his brother had passed away. Round five against Geelong on a blustery day, Melbourne had a dirty day. Harry Davies missed many gettable goals, and Bunny Whitman suffered an injury that would keep him out for three weeks. But round eight, we talked about their win over St Kilda at Junction Oval, um, and the first time they'd beat, they'd lost there. Actually, the first time Melbourne had won at this ground since 1924. Oh. Davies kicked three for the winners, and Tommy McConville received a four-match suspension for picking the ball up with both hands, lifting it over his head, and then throwing the ball at a player that we know, know as uh, Jazz Legs Gambetta. <laughs> um, yes. He then struck that ball, struck, striking the player between the head and his chest. Fantastic. And we had a suspension for that last year too. Yeah, it's, it's they're on. On top I of that. like to get on a on a run of doing the same dumb thing <laughs> well, a few weeks in a row. It still happens, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. The, the umpire still will focus on one, one rule. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Round 11, uh, Melbourne rallied back to get within a point of Collingwood late in the cracker of a game, having only 17 men, but Collingwood were able to steal this win thanks to Billy Libis. Yeah, kicked a late goal and then one more point to win mm. by seven. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did. Round, yeah. round 12, they lost to Richmond by 31 points, again being jumped early, and again Bunny Whitman injured himself. Yeah, and that was, the, that was basically the... Uh, 
the start of the downhill slope. Yeah. Uh, um, we won the next week against South. Yeah, big win. Very big convincingly. Win, yeah. yeah. Um, and South had were coming off a big win over Carlton. Uh, while Melbourne were there without the seven of their best players, they still had a big win. Uh, Percy Tuller? Yeah, Tuller, yeah. seven goals in his, only his fifth game in two years. Oh. And Tommy McConville kicked six in only his sixth game. Yeah. Uh-huh. Good job done. Round 15, they destroyed Essendon. Tommy McConville <laughs> kicked another five. The game basically over at half time. The 90 point margin still stands as Melbourne's biggest win over Essendon. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, he deserved it. Well, geez, yeah, 90 There's, there's another one you probably wish you could go back in time and watch. Yeah, I'd like to watch that. <laughs> uh, in round 17, you'll be surprised to learn that. The fans kind of abandoned the, uh, the future at this stage. There was no chance of final, so the fans didn't really show up. However, That's Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne did their bit to keep their hopes alive by comfortably beating Hawthorne by 40 points. Another reason for the uh, low crowd was the abysmal weather which hit Melbourne. Yeah, there were no... Well, apart from the uh, the Carlton-Richmond game that, that saw 30,000, there was no, no game above uh, 10,000. Yeah. Or above 8,000, sorry, that weekend. Yeah. So yeah. In, in this game against uh, Hawthorne, Hawthorne didn't score a goal until the last quarter. Um, <laughs> and Melbourne slackened off, so they got three in the last, but that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was Consolation, junk time goals. Well, that's it. And you're talking, so it really would have been down to round eight. It would have been down to the last round for Carlton, as, as I think we mentioned. Carlton had to lose... We had to win in order to get into the finals. Yep, yeah, because they were on thirteen. And, um, but, uh, I think St. Kilda. In fact, was it already done? But no, we we finished with a higher percentage than them, but yes. more, more than a game behind, didn't we? Uh, we yeah, no, we're actually twelve wins. So one, only one was the difference, only and one, yeah, yep. that would have put us so in. That, that would have put us in. But ah, St. Kilda. <laughs> yep, St. Kilda couldn't get it done, and they owe you nothing. Or we could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> should have offered to pay them if they win. Yeah, <laughs> incentives. Well, that's what happened. Yeah. Oh, I thought they, they, yeah, oh, yeah, they, they yeah. actually did that. Uh, okay, sorry. That yeah, we, should, we would have been better off going to Carlton and saying, if you lose, we'll pay you. Yeah. Because, uh, I, mean, I mean, Carlton... I mean, it's easier to lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, so Carlton have it. a history of taking bribes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of, the Mighty Blues in fourth place with 13 wins and only five losses. Seeing them play finals... With 121.7%, uh, slightly below Melbourne. The Baggers, they're back. They're back. Um, the Baggers are back. So, um, captained and coached by Horry Clover this year, and their lead yeah. goal kicker was Harold Carter with 33. Sorry, Timmy. So I was just going to say, Clover. Ray Brew, who was usually their coach, yes. was unable to play because he was stricken with severe appendicitis. Yeah. Oh, that's dangerous. Not good. Yep. Not good at all. Um, well, so, yeah, lead goal kicker was Harold Carter with 33. Uh, they had, sorry, I've got it here. They had, uh, this is really a year for Collingwood, isn't it? No, oh, I know. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get there. To, we'll get there. there. There we are. It was all over the place. I, apo- I apologize. They had 37 players play, 217 combined goals. Yeah, they they had... As we were talking about with um, South before, they had a few avenues though. Harold Harold Carter was top with thirty three, but they had had George Goff with thirty, Horry Clover with twenty eight, Harvey Dunn with twenty six, mm. Harry Valance with twenty five. So you're mm. looking quite a few. Percy, Percy Outram with ten as well. Mm. Yeah. Do we, add, do we add him to the list, Percy Outram? Oh, 
I don't know. We'll probably no? okay, we'll look back at it. Casual the boss? No, I'm not putting it there. Or we'll compare it next to Cockram. <laughs> yeah, he was. Well, exactly. um, already beaten him. Debutants up. included Tommy Downs, who was the brother of deceased former Blues player Lyle Downs. If you remember, he was the one who died at training. Yeah, had a, a few um, seasons earlier. Yeah. So round one, they lost to South Melbourne by a point at Lakeside Oval. So not the best start. Round four against Geelong, a somber day began due to the memory of Les Witto. Geelong took control and won this game by 46 points. Uh, that was the game that Tommy Downs made his debut in as well. Okay, yeah. Round eight, they were riding... They came in riding a four-game win streak. And I thought you were going to say something else. They riding a horse <laughs> or something. The whole team, a horse. <laughs> One giant horse. Um, yeah, so sorry. Carlton, <laughs> Trojan horse. Carlton thumped North by 40, 34 points at Arden Street, and then the team was proceeded to be stoned by the crowd. <laughs> what? Yeah, and well, it gets yeah. What? Stoned. Uh, ridiculous. I, I'm assuming it's the, it's North Melbourne supporters. You remember how ridiculous North Melbourne supporters are at Arden Street, particularly. We had that in the past. Yeah. Round nine, thirty-three thousand people crammed into Victoria Park to see Carlton win over Collingwood. Duncan's match. Called Duncan's match. Yes. So go. Carlton halfback Alex Duncan treated the crowd to a splendid display. Taking, I think it was 33 marks. Well, at least 30, 33. Yes. There's some claims of him taking up to 45, <laughs> which I think someone's put a little bit of mustard on that story. Um, but, uh, yeah, quite a difference. at least 33. Aerial, unbelievable. His aerial work, simply perfection. Drawing applause from friend and foe alike. Mm. Jock McHale, however, was not impressed. His face was as black as thunder and he raged about his forward's inability to stop Duncan in contests. Mm. Of course. However... In a very uncollingwood thing to do, following the game, they presented him with the ball and offered to have it mounted and inscribed. Very uncollingwood. <laughs> and uh, having uh, Jack Worrell, also a prominent sports writer now, said, "Oh yeah, what did he say?" He said, "If any one man saved the game, that man was Duncan. His aerial work was simply perfection. Love it. Every effort for meritorious." Every effort was meritorious. Yep. Uh, while many were hair-raising, nothing could stop him. He sailed over everybody. The certainty with which he held the ball evoked roars of approval, both from friend and foe. Wow. Oh, well said. He's anointed there. He is. Now, round 10. Another bad one for uh, supporters here. Umpire Kane is pelted with stones and fruit after Carlton lose to Melbourne by 15 points. And fruit. He was attacked by Carlton supporters for failing to award a free kick to Joe Kelly after a collision. It took Kane three attempts to get to his dressing room. On the way, he was kicked, jostled, and a policeman defending him was punched in the face. Oh, God. So we've had this with Carlton supporters before as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I don't think there's any supporters that haven't done something ridiculous, no. apart from Mark, uh, apart from Melbourne. So obviously. Just, they just don't show up. <laughs> uh, round 14, Carlton had their first ever win at Windy Hill by eight points. Round 15. Alex First ever. ever. Oh, well, I'm th- we're only, only in the third five, year, isn't it? Yeah, 22, four. I think they moved over. You're right, you're right. Yep. The Fortress. Right, Round 15. Alex Duncan was injured but persuaded to play against Geelong, but he was hobbling... He was a bit of a wreck. Didn't take his first mark until the last quarter of the game. And then managed to take a 15 in the last... No. No, not at all. So <laughs> that was one of those situations where um, when he was good, he was awesome. When he was bad, he was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had to receive Bronx cheers in that game as well for oh. like those, those sarcastic yep. ones. Oh. Um, and following this game, during the break, Carlton played Geelong in Sydney in an exhibition game. 25,000 people watched Carlton beat Geelong handsomely. See... 
with those numbers, I'm surprised. And like we talk about those these exhibition matches in Sydney, always getting big numbers. I'm really surprised that the game didn't expand further. Yeah, earlier. sooner. Yeah, like that there wasn't a, travel, a better league. Travel like, probably an issue. But a, yeah, yeah, but a better Sydney league. Yeah. Right. Yeah, anyway. Um, and lastly, round 18, in icy gale force wins, Carlton were able to f- defeat Richmond by seven points at Princess Park. A very ugly game. Mm. Five players knocked unconscious. Oh. Frank Irwin received an 18-match suspension and would never play league football again. Oh. Wow. Mm. Poor Frankie. Um, Geelong, we were just speaking about them. We're in third place, Tim. Yes. Moving up now. Uh, 14 wins, four losses, and 132 percent mm. so captain coached by cliff rankin again lead goal kicker was lloyd hagger with 55 and nice. they yeah they were sitting they were sitting pretty they looked very good this year uh they had only 27 players play for them very consistent Just 227 combined goals uh yeah, we've got as I said, Lloyd Hager with the with his fifty five, but then just behind him was our our honoured captain and leader uh, with thirty nine, Cliff Rankin, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, everyone was sitting very pretty. Got, yeah, um, I'm trying to I'm looking down this list for some good names for you. <laughs> um, oh, it's the inaugural medal, so well, that's it. Trying to scoop them up. Frank Mockridge. <laughs> no, no, I mean. St- Cleve McDiamond, Diamond, mm. Nick Brushfield. <laughs> maybe Brushfield has a nice mustache or something, and he gets. Well, that'd be good. Bristles. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we need to see some faces to go with it. <laughs> Aubrey Coman. Did he even play? Oh, he played one game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, as we said, very consistent. They had, you know, their their main guys: Lloyd Hager, Cliff Rankin, uh, Ed Baker, Reg Hickey, Les Smith. Ed Greaves, or Kaji Greaves, um, and Ed Stevenson all playing 18, 19 goals. You've got George Todd, who won their BNF that year, playing the full 19. Um, yeah, so very consistent, which is obviously why they did so well. Yeah. Um, okay, so they won eight games in a row from round two to nine, so great, great start. Um, round four, as soon as Geelong took the field... At Cryo against Carlton, uh, they received jeers. And um, I couldn't work out whether this was from Geelong supporters or Carlton supporters. Uh, Lloyd Hager received special attention. He took no heed of the remarks and spectators commenced to throw cigarette boxes, lollies and stones at him. (laughs) When a stone almost struck him, police were stationed at either end to protect the players. Lloyd Hager ended up kicking 11 goals. For the day, well. The team's 18. Wow. Round eight, Teddy Baker kicked seven goals and a win over Hawthorne. uh, Lloyd Hager, Sid Hall and Jim Warren each kicked three as the Black Cats had 45 scoring shots to 16 in a 99-point thumping of Hawthorne. Yeah. Round 10, heavy rain fell for an hour before the game at Punt Road and Geelong, as Geelong played Richmond, with uh, ground partly underwater. Before the players went out, the officials made a ring of sawdust in the middle of the ground to show where the ball should be bounced. (laughs) Richmond won by 16 points with a big last quarter. Round 12, Geelong played Collingwood at Cario. At three-quarter time, a diversion was caused when a three-year-old Collingwood fan wearing a black and white jumper ran onto the ground and received an orange from the, uh, the huddle. <laughs> Having seen this, this then caused several other boys to try their luck. <laughs> Just as get, would. get in and have a go, yeah. yeah. Free orange. And Collingwood won this game by 16 points. 
And finally, last bit of news here. Round 18, Geelong had its first win at Lakeside Oval in 22 years with a 10-point come-from-behind win, kicking 10 goals in the third quarter to take control of this match. Massive. 22 wow. years. Wow. Well, we know what it's like to go down to Corio. Now they're dominating in other places. Yeah. Mm. They look, they're sitting pretty. They're looking good. <laughs> Coming into finals. Thank you, Tim. Richmond is next. I'm very happy to say in second place. Second, second. <laughs> That's what I literally <laughs> yeah. just said. Um, 14 wins, four losses, and 134.6%. The Tigers looking good. Pairing nicely up there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Pairing along. So uh, um, coached by uh, Checker Hughes, uh, a fantastic name, a, a name that we will... Mm. Learn to love Absolutely. in the future also. Oh, is is it feeling? on the list? <laughs> I no. wish it was on some Frank Checker Hughes. Well I don't know, I, I just, well, it's a name it's a name that us Melbourne supporters will learn to love Timmy in the future. Mm. Yeah. If you're the picking up true. what I'm putting down. Yeah. It stirs the, the cockles drink, of my heart. Yeah, you drinking my Kool-Aid? Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I'm talking picking about? Up what here? Putting down? Uh captain by Alan Geddes. Their lead goal kicker was Jack Baggett with thirty-seven. Uh Dave Lynch only just behind with thirty-two. Um they had thirty-one players play, two hundred and eighteen goals kicked. We had Jack Titus playing Skinny. one game. <laughs> uh, this is only what? one game. So in his second year he plays only one game. One. Yeah. Mm. Slow start. Okay, so Checker Hughes was introduced to the committee as coach for the first time and he promised to keep the yellow and black to the forefront. Yeah. Uh, he, Richmond's non-playing coach, play, he played in some practice games and he would continue to do so to properly instruct the, uh, the younger players. The greatest leaders lead from the front. They do. Round two, Richmond defeated Collingwood 55-49 to at Victoria Park. They were one point down in the dying minutes when Dave Lynch kicked the winning goal from a, an acute angle. Round six, a record crowd of 42,000 people see an inaccurate Richmond uh, kick 12-18-90, losing to Carlton 17-8-110. Alf Wood, a former Richmond president, enters the Richmond dressing room after the match and criticises the players. It would be reported that Wood was abusive and insulting. It was a massive crowd that day, can I say? 42,000 people there. Yeah. yeah. So following this Alf Wood incident, the committee resolved that only officials, players and their relatives and life members be permitted to the uh, dressing room. Good. That still sounds like a lot of people, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, round 10, as we said, uh, Richmond won down in Geelong. They halted uh, the Black Cats' run of eight wins in a row with a 16-point win at a swamp-like ground. I tell you, sorry, it was a punt road, not Garaya. Mm. Richmond secretary Percy Page had his jaw broken in a fight which broke out at the club dance after the win. Now, Percy Page, Pip Page as they called him, uh, we will know we will know very soon. Page McIntyre? Yes, he was yeah. the one of the creators yeah. of, the, of the Page McIntyre system. Was My he? hero. Was oh, he? was? Oh, really? Well, if he was, he's <laughs> my hero for getting rid of the fucking amended Argus system. <laughs> It's gone. I've had enough to hear. <laughs> Thank you, Pip. Um, round 11, Jack Haggard kicks seven goals against Fitzroy at Fitzroy. Richmond winning by 56 points. In this game, Richmond star centre-half forward George Randolph is reported for kicking Fitzroy's George Gordon, fracturing his leg and leaving him in hospital for several days. Through evidence and lack of bruising, though, it was determined that he had fallen and twisted his ankle as he fell, um, with, with the doctors called in to... Uh, give evidence at the tribunal. So Rudolph was free to play and cries of eat him alive were heard throughout the halls hey. of league headquarters. 
right. What do we do? <laughs> Round 14, after 48 consecutive appearances, Alan Geddes missed his first game since he began playing in 25. Wow. Doug Hayes captain in his absence against Collingwood, who won, despite Coventry being held goalless for the first time this season. Round 17, Richmond's score of 3-5-23 against Carlton is its lowest since entering... So since it scored 2-3-15 against Melbourne in 1909. Wow. Uh, the next Thursday following this, Jack Baggett was cleared of striking Frank Irwin and Alan Geddes was cleared of unseemly conduct. A large crowd of Richmond supporters had gathered outside the league rooms, cheering Edom alive upon hearing the verdicts. Yeah, good. <laughs> I like it. Um, and following the season, a league inquiry was held into the charge that North Melbourne's John Lewis assaulted the Richmond vice president, Harry Dyke, and the Richmond players, player George Randolph after Richmond's semi-final clash with Carlton. Uh, Lewis was found guilty and disqualified for the whole of the next season. The battling off field as well. Yeah, I probably should have added that after the finals. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. Yeah. Even, even though it was... I guess I added that there because John Lewis, North Melbourne's John Lewis doesn't even play in the finals. It's like, why is he there? Just just wants to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Carry on. On. So, here, on. Um, Onward and upward. <laughs> the machine. First place, Collingwood, with 15 wins and three losses. That's uh, and they've got a hundred and fifty point six percent. Unbelievable! The unstoppable machine that was Collingwood of nineteen twenty seven, um, captained by Charlie Tyson. No. Nope. Oh no! No. Wait. <laughs> uh, he was the captain before the season started. Captained by Sid Coventry, coached by Jock McHale. Their lead goal kicker was Gordon Coventry with ninety seven. Kaz, you asked who was going to kick more than eighty than Jack Moriarty's eighty three. I'll tell else? you who it was. None other than ninety seven no. across the uh, in the finals as well. Yeah. I think it was eighty eight yes. this season. I, Home and away. Yeah, I think that's right. Don't, it doesn't um, take away from the moment. Let him have his moment. <laughs> and their B and F was won by Sid Coventry that year. First year the Copeland Trophy was actually awarded. Oh, twenty seven. Yeah, um, we had a debutante. In by the name of Harry Rumney, come on board as back pocket. Well, he came from Carlton. He played 15 games for Carlton over the last yes, two yeah. years. A, sorry, a, a debut for Collingwood. Yeah, I should have said late, inclu- um, late inclu- inclusion. Actually, yeah, he wow. played the and whole year. He was really the the last member of the. Well, the, I mean, the core of the machine was already there. The but last cog of the machine. The yeah. last cog in the machine. <laughs> and per- Percy Rowe was also back after four years of coaching in Albury. Yeah. Oh. So they had a very, a very consistent team. Twenty-seven players playing, uh, kicking a combined two hundred and forty goals. So yeah. <laughs> Coventry's almost almost kicked half his his team score. And if he hadn't been held goalless that game, the next the next closest was Harry Collier with thirty-six. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. All right, strap in. There's a lot to talk about with Collingwood. There certainly is. Round one, they opened the season in impressive style. Uh, their first quarter was six goals, two to one, three against Geelong. Cat struck back, though, yeah. and at halftime, McHale urged his players to go in for the kill, unhappy that they had let Geelong back in the game. <laughs> Third quarter saw 11 goals combined between the two teams. Uh, the Pies were up by a goal at three-quarter time, but took charge to win by 23 points. In his assessment of this game, writer Charland described Collingwood for the first time as machine-like. A title that Jock McHale did not like, but they would become known as. Also following this game, um, their club secretary, George Connor, put a photo up 
of Melbourne unfurling their premiership flag in the on like a, a board in the club. Yeah. With a message saying the flag we could not win in 1926. What about the one we can win in 1927? It is now left up to you. Oh, I like it. And George Connor would continue to do this throughout the season to just kind of keep the players on track. Yeah, keep them hungry. Uh, round three, they had their first loss, as we said, to Richmond at Vic Park. Round four, Sid Coventry was knocked unconscious in a game against South Melbourne and was carried off insensible. With Collingwood down to 17 fit players and only leading by two points at the break, he was brought conscious by trainers and came back on to play out the game. Are the old smelling salts? Oh, yeah, Collingwood winning by 39 points. Oh, I was, I was going to say that that was very impressive for them to put that score on with only 17 players on. No, but they woke him up. I mean, when, like once you got, a, got up to like four or five goals, wouldn't you just rest him if he's... Yeah. Yeah. Not in those days. Not in those days. All right. Round five, Gordon Coventry kicked 11 goals against Fitzroy in a 64-point demolition over their arch rival. Can we, can we just mention there, that's 11 goals out of 18. Yeah. That is outrageous. Oh. Now, round seven, Collingwood would, would uh, take out the Coulthard Shield here by kicking the season's highest score, 25 goals, 19, 169, to uh, 7, 15, 57 against St Kilda. Yeah, that's right, 112-point win. Wow. Gordon Coventry again kicking 11. Yeah, massive. Yeah. Only 11 out of 25, though. Yeah, it's not quite as impressive. Now, round 11, it was a bit of a danger game. Jock McHale was... The team he feared the most was Melbourne. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. of course. Um, but it was a pretty up up and down game with Collingwood kind of holding the edge, but Melbourne coming back. They got within a point, as you said earlier, Charlie, but uh, Bill Libis, cupping off a fine day as Rover kicked his third goal to ice the game, mm. and they won that by seven points. Oh. And I'm sure the beginning they, of our downfall. And that was oh, yeah. a real statement game as well because they'd want to they'd want to beat Melbourne after yeah. last season. Yeah, absolutely. Round 14, they played Richmond at Punt Road, top spot up for grabs. Tight game, but it wasn't until the last quarter and a six goal burst. Magpies secured the win and top spot. I feel like there's always a bit of niggle in Melbourne Collingwood games. Mm. Even now, just yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I would agree with that. Even when like. Well, Queensbury, maybe, obviously. yeah, yeah. Queen's birthday is always sort of a. I remember Mick Malthouse was like, you know, oh, they always seem to rise up against us, and it's like, well, do you? what did Eddie yeah. say? Everyone plays their grand final against Collingwood. Yeah. Sorry. So, following this, there was a bit of a there was a break between round fifteen and sixteen, and the club decided to travel to Perth as a group to help bond the team, especially with the whole Tyson situation. Um, the Coventry brothers stayed behind. But they travelled over for a few weeks by train and returned by boat. They tra- they stayed behind because of they the, played in the state. Carnival. They played in the yeah, state, carnival, representing yeah. Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a jolly good time was had by all. Lots of good photos have come out of this trip. And um, Jock McHale said it was a, a fine time. Um, a fine time. One, He's even said it. Oh, he loved it. He loved. It. I think that was his first time in WA, and he was very happy with and the, uh, the, the trip. And everyone came back hardened, ready to go. Yeah. Oh. Everyone came back a little bit unfit. They'd been, you know, a bit of travel makes you put on some weight. Yeah, some course. players were said to have added like six kilos, like a, st- a stone in <laughs> but, weight. Yeah, that's from just that's kind massive. of that one, that was just yeah. a train ride. Yeah, so they came back and following that they played arch nemesis Fitzroy, who beat them by seven points. Yeah, because okay. um, they, they, and, and Fitzroy were looking quite quick and nimble. A lot was a lot of people yeah. were saying they obviously blamed oh. this on the trip. Um, but George Connor, the uh, secretary, had a new bulletin post that week reading, this is what it read, Do you realise the seriousness of that defeat? Are you going to allow history of the past two seasons to be repeated by failure at a critical time? 
Loss of the 1927 premiership would be the greatest blow, which would be the greatest would be yeah. the greatest blow which could be given to the club and a repetition of Saturday's performance means a premiership suicide. Buck up, pull yourselves together. I like it. Mm-hmm. Pulling them in. But even if they'd lost that and they'd come back maybe a little bit out of tune, they were all they were working for each other Absolutely. after that mid-season trip. They yes. were they were closer than ever. Yeah. Round 17. Like it was a tight machine. Round 17 <laughs> it was another terrible game actually. They beat Essendon by a point despite kicking one less goal than Essendon. 13 points getting them over the line. Were a very ugly game. Like if we look at those final scores, three thirteen thirty one to Essendon's four six thirty. Mm. Not many lower scores than that. And then round eighteen, yeah. a win against North Melbourne saw them finish in first place uh, by one game and a lot of percentage. Yeah, a lot of percentage. A lot. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so that gets us to the end of the season. Let's very ch- quickly go and check in with uh, Big Red. Big Red's local footy roundup for your state and suburban football action. Sinking our teeth into grassroots football. Welcome to Big Red's roundup for the 1927 season. Let's get into a look and around the grounds. First to the Sandful, where West Adelaide have won the Premiership, their first in 15 years since 1912 and the club's fifth overall. The win came against North Adelaide, who were the runners-up for the fifth time the game was played at Adelaide Oval. The game was played in front of 32,222 fans and saw West Adelaide score 10-11-71 to North Adelaide's 9-10-64 in a seven-point win to the Bloods. The win topped off a great year for West Adelaide after finishing the home-and-away season as a minor premier for the first time in in their club's history with 14 wins and only three losses for the season and were three games clear on top of the ladder after that home-and-away season and were clearly the best team of 1927. Now, we mentioned this man's name in an earlier uh, version of the roundup back in 1926, but West Adelaide's Bruce McGregor wins his second and consecutive McGarry medal in the Sandful. This caps off a tremendous season for the Bloods as they win the minor premiership, the premiership, as well as having the McGarry medalist for that season. In an even more impressive stat still, West Adelaide's only Jewel McGeary medal winner, being Bruce McGregor, is the only Jewel winner in the club's history, which dates 127 years between 1892 and today. To the waffle. And in 1927, when it was an exciting year of football, made so by East Perth's continued dominance with another grand final win for the Royals. The 1927 Grand Final was played between East Perth and Crosstown rival South Fremantle in a game that saw East Perth score 10-12-72 to South Fremantle 7-9-51. The Grand Final was played for the first time at Subiaco Oval in front of 15,700 fans. Star forward Bonnie Campbell kicked five goals for for the winners against his old side and was a star on the day. The grand final win for East Perth saw them win back-to-back flags over the last two seasons, and more interestingly, this was their seventh flag for them in the last nine seasons of waffle football, and the last that they have for some time. Waffle Hall of Fame coach Phil Matson was East Perth's coach through the dominant seasons between 1917 and 1928. During the 1928 season, Matson was killed in a truck accident, and the event is said to have led to East Perth's quick fall down the ladder. Before his death, Matson was quite an interesting personality. He was a champion swimmer and footballer. And as a junior swimmer, 
Matson held a world record for the 220-yard breaststroke, which he held for three years. He was also the first player in Western Australia to be a gun for hire, and would frequently change clubs spending no more than two to three seasons at any club as he chased as many pounds per game as he could. Matson finally lands at Subiaco for five seasons and, and then East Perth from 1918 until 1928, which was his longest stint at any club. Matson was captain coach of East Perth during their first during their five consecutive wins between 1919 and 1923 and was part of the 1918 losing grand final and by 1924 he turned to just solely coaching the club. Matson also coached Western Australia for many seasons and many carnivals at one stage was very vocal against the Victorian side who was very brutal and ferocious against his, his team. Words that came back to bite him back in 1925. Matson coached Castlemaine in the Victorian Goldfields in 1924 to a premiership and was then offered the coaching role at, at Richmond in the VFL for 1926. The comments Matson made against Victoria are said to be the reason why the VFL didn't grant Matson a permit to take the job at Richmond, a decision that which incensed both the club and the prospective coach. So Matson returned to Perth and was quickly reappointed as East Perth's coach and took them to the next two consecutive premierships in 1926 and 1927. Phil Matson was said to be quite an intense and interesting character, but was still a very successful uh, playing and coaching career. Matson played in 11 premierships as a player and nine premierships as a coach and was regarded as one of, one of Western Australia's best ever coaches, much like Jock McHale in the VFL. One last little tidbit about Phil Matson that makes his reputation such an interesting read is that back in, back in 1909, Matson married his first cousin, Gertrude Pope, a decision that is seen to be quite strange from those that, were, that knew him. However, they stayed married for only a couple of years before separating. The 1927 Sandover Medal was won by West Perth Jim Craig, and Jim Craig played for 13 seasons for West Perth, playing 203 games. Jim retired only two years after winning the Sandover Medal and was inducted into West Perth's Team of the Century as an interchange player back in the year 2000. In the VFA, the 1927 season and grand final was played between Coburg and Brighton. The game was won by Coburg in only the third season in the VFA after winning the 1926 season, giving them back-to-back -back wins in only the third season in the competition, and an extraordinary start to their long service in the VFA, which continues today. During the 1927 season, Coburg went through the home and away season undefeated and were four games clear on top making them the minor premier for the season for the second year in a row. The grand final was played in front of 20,000 fans at the Motodrome and saw Coburg score 19 goals, 10, 124 to Brighton's 13 goals, 12, 90. For the winners, Pete Gardner kicked 10 goals to take his season tally to 97 overall and was a leading goal kicker for the 1927 VFA season. For Brighton, Jay Welsh kicked seven goals for the losers and was the runner-up to the league goal-kicking medal behind Coburg's Gardner, but finished an amazing 20 goals behind him. The 1927 Recorder Cup was won by Ernie Snowy Martin from Coburg. Snow was a gun junior footballer. 
um, being recruited from the Carlton District to Carlton in 1923, where he stayed on Carlton's list for three years but only managed to play four games. In the 1926 and 27 seasons, Snowy went to play with Coburg, where he won back-to-back premierships and the 1927 performance, winning him the Recorder Cup, the highest individual honour. Snowy then, in the 1928 season, returned to the VFL for another stint, but struggled with knee injuries, and after two more seasons with Essendon, eventually returned to Coburg. In Queensland, the 1927 Premiership was won by Maine Football Club in their fourth year in the competition. Maine continued to be a strong football club in Queensland football today, with the Senior Premiership as recent as 2016. Some notable past stars for Maine have included Jason Akermanis, Richard Champion, and Mick Nolan, who was a premiership player with North Melbourne back in 1975. Other winners were Cannonor for their third straight flag, North Launceston and Burnie for the Tasmanian State Leagues, Old Scotch won back-to-back flags in the Vaffa and the eighth in their history, and St. Patrick's won the premiership in the Ovens and Murray. And lads, that big Reds roundup for the 1927 season. Until next time, kick straight. Thanks, Big Red. Thank you very much, Big Red. Great effort. Uh, so there was also a football carnival this season we spoke about, played in Melbourne. The teams involved with Victoria, Western Australia, South Australia, Tasmania, and New South Wales. Um, so who's missing? Queensland. Queensland are not there, yeah. So, all New Zealand. They haven't come back since 1908. Fair enough. Uh, a few interesting things about this carnival. The first one being that New South Wales upset Tasmania by three points in the second game and went within one point of beating Western Australia. Really? That's yeah. their, be- that's their best, best go in a fair while? And the other bit of uh, interesting thing was Victoria caused a bit of controversy um, because if they were playing a weak, a team they deemed as weaker, so Tasmania or New South Wales, yep. they played a second 18 in order to keep their first 18 fresher for the final match. For your games against your WAs and your South Australians. Yeah. Oh. Very so interesting. Because of this, the, uh, the ANFC passed a new rule for future carnivals that state sides must select a squad of 25 at the start of, car- of the carnival and they can't alter. I think that's fair. From that, yeah. yeah. It's going to spoil the competition. Yeah, so the uh, Victorian team was captained by... Bert Chadwick, vice captain by Sid Coventry. Yeah, that makes sense. The great is the captain. (laughs) (laughs) I love Bert Chadwick. (laughs) Victoria won this game, this series, uh, uh, through the games. They went four and zip, winning the final game was pretty against Western Australia and was pretty much the grand final. Yep. Both teams undefeated until then. Victoria won that game, eighty-five to seventy-two. South Australia finished third. uh, New South Wales fourth, and Tasmania dead last. There we go. Yeah, um, we have the Brownlow Medal, which was awarded on September fourteenth. Yes, it was. Are we are we still running the same system of a one? Is it a one vote it's per still game one system? Vote, still one vote per game. Yeah, and our winner was Sid Coventry. Sid Coventry oh, on seven seven points, so seven best on grounds. Uh, runner up was Alex Duncan and Dick Taylor, and in third place was Kaji Greaves and Alan Geddes. Kaji Greaves is just. Unstoppable. Mm. Yeah, an absolute star. So the uh, announcement of Sid Coventry's winner was generally commended. Um, he'd been the best player for the last few seasons. He'd been an outstanding footballer, um, a big merit in his play is that uh, he always makes the ball his objective. 
Um, although there was a comment saying, strangely enough, he never rises to the same heights in interstate game, games as he does club games. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't take them as seriously. He's he's more focused on doing his, his part for Collingwood. Yeah. However, Kikaroo referred to him as the number one player in the competition, a player of dogged determination, fearless, fair, good-tempered, and a capable in the highest degree. I like this, Kikaroo. Uh, whether following yeah. or in the last line of defense. So rounds out the perfect season for Collingwood. Indeed. It's great to see Sid get some recognition. Oh, basically, the perfect season for Sid as well. Yeah. You got the, you got the brown low. You got the B and F. You captain, you know, yeah. leading goal kicker Lead. for the Collingwood as well. You got no, your, that's your Corey, brother, Sid. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, your brother's the leading goal kicker. Um, yeah, it's you're all doing, you're doing synergy well. there. Yeah. Mm. Um. So finals. 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 Here we come. So our first final. The Great Argus System. Oh, the amended <laughs> Argus System. Amended Argus. Don't system. even. Don't even it's get coming. started. Pip is is around. So. The amended Argus system. We've got our well. We've got our first final was on a Saturday, the seventeenth, the seventeenth of September at the G still in front of sixty three thousand six hundred and twenty people. Woo. Talking a huge crowd. Carlton versus Richmond, and uh, it was a reasonably close little tussle. Tim, yeah, it was indeed. Yeah. So Richmond opened with the first four goals, goals of the game, but yep. then Carlton came back, and it was kind of neck and neck for most of the day. Um, in the dying seconds of the game, scores were level. Tigers flanker Harry Widener kicked an impossible left foot snap from the boundary line to give the Tigers a five-point uh, lead. Yep. I believe they then maybe added one more point and ran out the match. That one was goal it. Winner. Well, if scores were tied and then he kicked a goal, that would be it. Six yeah. points, yeah. In, in, I've written five points win. I don't know why. <laughs> Six point lead, Six yeah. point win. That um, was it. Yeah, so uh, after the game, Dan Minogue visited the Richmond rooms. Oh, good on him. Oh. Yeah. Uh, to say hi. Uh, the committee decides that those players who played in the semi-final against Carlton are to be paid a two-pound bonus per man for their effort in beating Carlton. That's yeah. a good idea. Pip, pip, I say. There we go. Yeah, so uh, Richmond's 12-10-82 vanquished Carlton's 11-10-76. <laughs> we move on to the second semi-final the week after on the 24th in front of what we would now consider a small crowd of 40,595 to see Collingwood and Geelong and... That's a, that's a um, Sunday twilight crowd, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, These days, yeah. And, but bad yeah, that's, a, that's a good Sunday Twilight crowd, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's a very good Sunday Twilight crowd. Uh, after uh, the Carlton Richmond nail-biter that was the previous week, we would have been looking forward to a fantastic game and unfortunately were not treated as such. No, look, there was many who tipped the Black Cats to win this one, claiming that Colling would have lost some speed during their trip to WA and that the nippy Geelong would worry them. Well, yeah, the big fat fatties weren't going to be able yeah. to get it done. Michaela wasn't worried, though. No. I'm not surprised. And they came out of the block strong. 5-6 in the first quarter to Geelong's one goal. And yep. it basically just got worse from there for it the Black Cats. Seven goals to Gordon Coventry. Yep. Uh, he was actually carried from the ground for his uh, seven-goal haul. Yeah, as he should be. So they ended up winning 16-18-114 to Geelong's 7-6-48. Collingwood with the winners by 66 points, which took us to the grand final. That's right. Collingwood, Although, full of belief. Full of belief, knowing... Again, they had two chances. Again, that they Richmond, had two chances. Richmond had to beat them twice. Richmond would have to beat them twice. Oh. So, but 
They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to go back two days, two weeks in a row. No. They wanted to get it done this first week. The question was, could they? So could they indeed? Um, the unstoppable. So machine. the other issue was uh, there had been quite a drought in Melbourne leading up to this game, and on the eve of the grand final, the heavens opened and bucketed down. Yeah. There was the um, the VFA preliminary final got called off. And there was talk that maybe the uh, VFL grand final would be called off, but they went ahead with it anyway. Yeah, because they're hard. hard but as um, coffin nails. We the uh, VFA are amateurs. Yeah. Are. <laughs> um, but what better way to find out what happened than by talking to the uh, the captain and man of the hour, Sid Coventry? So let's let's boot up that uh, way back when phone, Kaz, and have a chat to him. Here we Can't go. Wait. Um, well done and welcome Brownlow medalist and now Premiership captain, Sid Coventry. Thanks for having me. Let's get straight in there. Now, after seven grand final defeats, Collingwood are finally Premiers again. It must be a relief. Oh, yeah, look, it's a great feeling. It's been our goal. We've, um, we've had a resolve this season to play together and, and win a flag, and, and we did. So your first year as captain, Sid, a um, huge success. If we go back to the start of the season, you came to the captaincy in somewhat controversial circumstances. Um, it, we're here to celebrate and uh, not to be t- time to be bringing up the past. Let's leave it as it is. Thanks. Okay, sorry, Sid. Sorry. Let's, yeah, let's move on then. A great year. Your team has been described as machine-like. What do you think that makes this team work smoother and more efficiently than the Collingwood team of, say, uh, 1925 or 1926? Hmm. Um, look, there are many aspects of this team that have, I think have led us to our success. Uh, some of it is the failures of the past spurring us on. Our players have matured greatly this year, and look, much of the credit belongs to the coaching of Jock McHale, and then there's the club administrators who, from the start of the year, have really kept us focused on winning the flag. Are you referring there to George Connor? Yeah, absolutely. Look, he's been there throughout the year to give us uh, little messages and try to remind us not to get too ahead of ourselves and just to keep our eyes on the bigger prize. Sid, some people said that following your trip to Western Australia, you had become overweight and slow. You as the team as well, not not just you, Sid. Oh, yeah, exactly. And how did you find the effects of that trip? Oh, look, people spoke about um, that loss to Fitzroy really hurting us, and yeah, it's true that one of the players commented on wanting to have a sleep at three-quarter time. But yeah, look, if you look at the trip as an exercise in bringing us closer together um, as a club, then uh, look, it was a it was a success. Um, and, and Sid, I, I should mention there, obviously you and Gordon stayed back for the state carnival. You didn't actually go on the trip, but you obviously, you saw the effects of that trip from the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so anyway, back to the season. You finished on top and you met a pretty quick Geelong outfit in the first week of the finals, but that game ended up being somewhat of a cakewalk in, uh, for you guys. Well, yeah, look, we, we won, although so, so many people t- had tipped Geelong and come out on top. Um, look, I, I didn't have a moment of anxiety about the result. So as the captain, you were fairly confident coming into today's game? Look, yeah, I, I said during the week that our lads had uh, their form back and, and that we could definitely go on and win, and yeah, I had that confidence. Now all the signs were there for a tip-top game between the league's best two teams, and then the heavens opened on the eve of the game. Yeah, very unfortunate. I'm sure it kept away a few fans. Kikaru said that um, you had... You know Kikaru? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You had been favoured all week, but owing to the heavy rain overnight and the unsettled conditions for the game, your prospects of winning strengthened. Did that change your approach because of the weather? I've got to say, not in the slightest. Look, 
as I said before, we, we had a dogged determination to win this year's flag. Um, the weather was never going to stop us. We were going to play our game. Yeah. It really was weather more suited to an aquatic carnival. <laughs> Many fans called it the worst day they'd ever seen for football. What was it like being out there, Sid? Look, um, a, a grand final is a grand final. I think uh, any other player on any of the other teams would have wanted to be out there for today for a chance to win the premiership. So, look, yeah, you're right. The weather was poor, but we were happy to be back with the chance to win another premiership. Um, and look, the farmers have been crying out for rain for some time, so it was good to break the drought. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one, Sid. <laughs> uh, that's what you were hoping to do today, break the eight-year premiership drought at Collingwood. Can you believe it? Eight years. Um, it must have been handy knowing that the Tigers needed to beat twice to claim the flag. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was nice to always have that, but we really wanted to beat them first go. As you, you know, as we all saw last year, the double chance did us no, no good last year and, and no good in 22 either. Uh, so the game started. Richmond duo uh, Rudolph and Bentley took some really strong marks early, um, something that ended up being a bit of a rarity on this day. And from the start, it was a bit of an arm wrestle. Is, uh, we, had you planned for that kind of game? Scoring was tricky. Percy Rowe scored first for you, albeit a point. Tricky scoring and behind seemed to be the order of the day. Yeah, look, the, I mean, as, as we said, the conditions were just the pits. Um, Richmond looked the better team in the first quarter. No goals were scored at all, but they did manage four behinds to take the, a three-point lead. Look, we weren't worried at that point. Three points is nothing. <laughs> there were also many incidents of what we might call spitefulness. It, occurring with fists flying everywhere yeah um we we expected that from richmond you know tough hard football and we we gave it back as good as we got uh the, look the back line was holding the game together really yourself and ernie wilson just really controlling the play yeah just i mean like we had all year really we just kept it going sid what instructions had jock given you uh, about playing in today's weather Marking on the chest, kicking the ball off the ground, you know, those simple things. Where, where the footy? So finally in the second quarter, your brother actually kicked the opening goal of the game. Um, thoughts? Yeah, and then, well, and then he went on to kick the second, and just before the half, he, I mean, Nuts is just a fantastic player. Halftime was an interesting one because a few things happened. Firstly, some Collingwood fans were playing bagpipes. <laughs> Secondly, it seemed like half the fans left the ground and went home. And finally... You, the uh, the players, got some res- respite from the rain. Yeah, look, it was it was good to get in and dry off and have a hot shower and change togs. Look, we coated ourselves in oil and it was quite amusing. Many of our fellas, they had a war- the warmer, colourful jumpers under their footy tops to stay warm. <laughs> quite an interesting idea there. Yeah. Um, after half-time, Checker Hughes sent his Tigers out with a new spirit. Dry weather football wasn't working for them, so they resorted to a bit of thuggery. They did. Finally, they finally scored through Jack Fincher at the, at the start of the last quarter. Yeah, look, only after we made some really silly mistakes down back. But as you might know, we controlled the game from then on. There, that was the last goal of the game and we won. And the drought, as you might say, was over. Yeah, over it was, Sid. And look, I believe Collingwood actually scored their lowest score in something like 17-odd years. Look, who knows and who cares? 
we still won a premiership with that score and that's all that matters. <laughs> the bell rang and the supporters rushed the ground. Uh, you all seem delirious. Oh, look, we were exhausted but content. There was a lot of handshaking and back patting and even a few kisses. <laughs> and then uh, that bagpipe band again appeared to play us off. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Sid, like you've been all year, you were probably the best player today. You stood up tall for Collingwood. Um, oh, who thanks did, for that, thanks. Who did you like out there, if you could tell us, you know, if you could even tell everyone covered in mud? Yeah, it was, it was pretty hard. Um, it was Bob, Bob Macon, Percy Rowe, Frank Murphy, George Clayton, and of course Nuts, uh, Nuts my brother, um, had our only two goals for the day. Um, look, I thought we were all hoping he could um, add a few more to get to the to get to the big 100 for the year. Oh, that's right. Uh, that would have been a great way to finish. Uh, a shame the weather didn't permit this. That would have been glorious, yeah, though, right? It? So what do you put this win down to? Look, um, I, I can't say it any better than Jock did. We had the perfect blend of hardened, experienced players with some young, talented stars in there as well. I mean, you know, and Jock, Jock's put it together and... It's working beautifully, like, mm. like a machine. As you like a machine. Yes. Uh, look, well, Sid, this cops up, uh, caps off a great year for you. Brownlow medalist, premiership captain. Uh, I think we can hear some more speeches starting in the background there, so it's probably our cue to leave. But thank you for taking the time to oh, talk to us. Thanks thanks very much, guys. Look, it's about the 10th speech so far. They seem to be lining up for them. Uh, look, thank, thanks, everyone. Jock told us we'll be back here again next year, so uh, hopefully I'll be speaking to you then. Thanks, Cheers. Sid. Oh, isn't that great to talk to Sid? Yeah. He's, he's, he's hard soft, to, softly spoken, isn't he? He's yes. hard to get much out of. Blood out of a stone, the young yeah. man. No, You'd no, think he'd no. be a bit more up and about after just winning a granny, winning the Brownlow, winning the BNF. <laughs> but, you know, he gets the job done. He does. And that's ah. why he's the captain. I think um, I want to take a leaf out of his book. Yeah, absolutely. So the final score there, we'll just look at that again, is uh, Collingwood 213-25 to Richmond 1-7-13. In front of 34,551 people at the G on well, it, Saturday, the 1st of October. Even though half of those supporters left at halftime as well. Yeah. Um, lowest combined grand final score ever. Richmond's worst total since uh, 1908. Uh, Collingwood's lowest score since 1910. And probably still. But, uh, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, wow. I'm just saying we'll find out in the future. Well, 1910 was probably their lowest score. Yeah, but this would be their lowest since then, I would imagine. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so, it's yeah, definitely down there. Crap, absolute crap game. It would have been horrible to watch. But so, as, as Sid said, a grand final to grand final. Well, that's it. That, you reckon they it. should have called it off? No. Play. It's a wet weather. It's a winter sport. You that's right. play. That's it. You play no matter what. Yep. Damn right. Um... So let's run through some stats very quickly before we, we do that. Carlton won the reserves grand final, defeating South Melbourne ninety four to seventy five. Um, some retirements this season. We had <coughs> Les Hewson of Collingwood, Len Thomas of South, yeah, the great man Roy Kazali, the great man Roy Kazali as a player. Sid Barker, captain, coach, premiership coach from Sydney, from North Melbourne and Essendon. George Hines or Haynes. Yep. Been around since 1910, I think, playing for Geelong, Melbourne, and that one season at St Kilda. And Gordon McCracken. Ah. Fitzroy player, I think, nephew of uh, Alex McCracken. Which is a nice little segue, Kaz. Yes, yes. fittingly. To the McCracken Name Award. So let's, let's run through these names, shall we? We've got Jack Boothman, <laughs> Clem Splatt, Stuart Stewart. <laughs> Norm Cockrum. So you just got to imagine if you if you were called this, you know, 
<laughs> what would yeah. you think? Dick Gosling. And you, you've got your, your favourite mate, Dick Gosling, in the forward pocket there. You're always going to kick goals to him. Yeah. Jazz cool. legs scan better. <laughs> and Sid, hey-ho. Hey-ho. <laughs> hey-ho. Okay, so the McCracken Trophy. Um, now, he's retired, so he, he, he we couldn't really give it to him now, could we? No. So, you know what I, I want. You want it too. It's none other than Jazz Legs Gambetta <laughs> taking out the inaugural He's shield. Holding on. That's right. Well, this would, this would probably be his, you know, third or fourth now, wouldn't it? I would imagine. It would. <laughs> that nickname's just getting him over. I mean, Gambetta's great, but Jazz Legs. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a gangster, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I tell you, I just. I've never. It's so weird. It's I so feel, original. I feel for Clem there. Clem's. I feel like Clem. I like Norm Cockrum. <laughs> Actually, Dick Gosling's pretty. I don't Dick Gosling's great. I don't know why. They've got what the, it is about it. They've got more chances if they hang around. <laughs> well, if they can't beat Jazz Legs next year, though, I mean, I know no, you're done. Yeah, no, we're, no, not gonna, no. we're not going to talk about these guys next year. Wait, do I do I get to choose every year? Yeah. yeah. So if I just get sick of Jazz Legs, I can just choose someone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, good. So we'll go yeah. with that. Yeah, you're That's representing it. the people, though, Kaz. You've got to you've got to work yeah, this take out. The, take your job seriously. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so you write in if you if you don't want Jazz Legs and you reckon Clem Splat's got it, I want to know, please. <laughs> Splatter. Sorry. The splatter, It's too man. bloody good. The splatterling. Um, all right, so let's do a rundown, Let Charlie. Let us do They're a all rundown. Good. So, Stuart Stewart. The premiers <laughs> what the? in 1927. Uh, Collingwood. None other than the machine. Yeah. <laughs> 12 point winners over Richmond. The wooden spoon, Kaz. Uh, well, that's none other than Hawthorne. Are we going to give them a pass for the like the next 20 years? No, no passes. Okay. Yeah. Gil didn't get a pass. <laughs> Carlton didn't get a pass. No one gets a pass. <laughs> Sorry, Hawthorne. Uh, what was your? What was the next one? Leading goal kicker. Lead goal kicker was none other than the big Gordon Coventry with eighty-eight slash ninety-three. We'll say we're saying eighty-eight main season. Yep, that's the way it should be. Yep, absolutely. Fantastic. It's fair. That it gives everyone a chance. Yep. Um, and. Yeah, the Premiership tallies as of 1926. Oh, sorry, Brett, we didn't mention the Brown though. Brown though again, oh, yep. Sid Coventry, another one going to Colling uh, to Collingwood. Collingwood yeah. with a clean and sweep. The McCracken name, Jazz Legs game. <laughs> oh, and, and the uh, the Coulthard and Shield. And the Coulthard Shield went to Collingwood. Collingwood. God, they just swept everything, didn't they? Thank God they didn't have a ridiculous name in there. Otherwise, <laughs> they would have had all of it. Uh, Premiership tallies as of 1927. We have Fitzroy with seven, Collingwood with six, Essendon with six. Carlton with five, South Melbourne two, Richmond two, Melbourne two, Geelong one. <laughs> I feel like, and I'm going to say this to you, in all with with respect, it should be alphabetical. Which it is. Means it, look, it is. Melbourne I, I, should be above Richmond and South. Yes. Sorry, let me just rejig that. Yeah, for thank next time. you. Sorry, sorry. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I respect, can't be above. I, I respect your work. <laughs> No, because I just I just did the other two teams alphabetically. Yeah. So you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. I apologise, both you. of you. I'm very sorry about that. It won't happen again. You hold um, yourself to such high standards yeah, in other exactly. ways. Why not? Yeah, sorry, unbelievable. Um, well, I feel like <laughs> with the way that Collingwood are looking at this stage, Fitzroy could get toppled in the very near future from their from the top of that list. Yeah, mm, six now, one away. Yeah. Yep. Collingwood. And if we're talking alphabetical, <laughs> I mean, 
They don't have a lot of time. <laughs> There's nothing Enjoy. much to say. <laughs> Enjoy this time, Fitzroy supporters. Yeah. You're on top at the moment. I'm enjoying this time with Fitzroy on the top as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really savour these next, you know, <laughs> next two weeks before we record again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, we'll do the names in order too, I think. Yeah. Um, so again, thank you for all our local, interstate, uh, Inter- worldwide, listeners. international listeners. Yeah, uh, po- keep downloading in Iowa. I hope your corn's growing well. <laughs> <laughs> what, what an unbelievable thing to say. Um, where else? Where else did we say? Um, Hong Kong and Hong Sweden. Hong Kong, yes, oh, and Sweden. Yeah, thank mm. you guys. <laughs> Is that yeah. how you say that? Thank <laughs> yeah. you. <laughs> and um, yeah, keep on listening. We're uh, we're really enjoying it. Now. Um, Nineteen twenty-eight is going to be another great year. I can already feel it. I can feel it. Lots of big things on the horizon Absolutely. as well. Keep downloading. Uh, check us out on Instagram, on Twitter. Yeah. Hopefully, in the very near future, we will let you know. We will have our, our website up and running. We will. Well, our last show in theory is a few days away. Yes. So when we're going to launch our website on that. That on that show. day, yeah, 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 on the second of June, second of June, second of June. Yeah, and please come along. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a great little venue. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Howard Lounge. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, wait, is Iowa is that the university state? University. There's a, a university in. There's quite Iowa, a lot. Of, yeah. Oh, I thought there was a few. Of them. Is there, I think every state has a university. I'll put it on the dorm room. Share it around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get everybody onto it. Okay. Put it on local college radio. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. Um, no, well, no, thanks, I'm thanks everyone for listening. Please do rate us, and uh, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Yes, hooroo! You can contact Kick to Kick by email at kick